you are defines how you build. This is the Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you by Stanford eCorner. Hi, ETL fans. I'm ETL producer Luke Sikora, and today we're excited to be launching something new. Our first ETL bonus episode focused on the world-class academic research that's happening at the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, the Stanford Center that runs this ETL series. In these ETL research episodes, we'll distill the most relevant takeaways from STVP research for non-academics who are leading organizations, launching ventures, and teaching and studying entrepreneurship. In this first episode, we're focusing on a new paper about the Lean Startup Method, co-authored by Stanford professor and STVP research director Rita Katila. The paper's full title is The Lean Startup Method, Early Stage Teams and Hypothesis-Based Probing of Business Ideas, and it appeared in the December 2020 issue of the Strategic Entrepreneurship Journal. We'll include the link to that paper in the show notes on eCorner. The paper's lead author is Michael Leatherby, who earned his PhD in Management Science and Engineering at Stanford and studied with STVP, and is now professor at the Pontificia Universidad Católica de Chile, as well as president of the advisory board for Startup Chile. We were fortunate to also be joined by Steve Blank, Steve's STVP-sponsored Lean Launchpad class, as well as his 2003 book, The Four Steps to the Epiphany, were hugely influential in both defining and scaling what became known as Lean Startup. I kicked off our conversation by asking Steve to talk about how he arrived at the insights that propelled Lean Startup in the first place. So, you know, my career uh, before Stanford was uh, as a serial entrepreneur. I did eight startups in 21 years, but I got lucky enough to retire fairly early in my career and started thinking about the nature of innovation and entrepreneurship. And when I reflected on what we did, I realized that the common wisdom in the 20th century that investors had told CEOs was simply, in hindsight, that startups were nothing more than smaller versions of large companies. They said everything a big company does, we want you to do. A big company writes a, a business plan, we want you to write a business plan. A big company predicts the future in what we call the five-year plan and forecast, and we want you to predict the future. A big company hires... Um, uh, you know, sales, marketing, engineering, and we want you to do that. Lock your engineers in a room and throw in, you know, sugar and caffeine and out of the other end uh, via a waterfall methodology that is a serial process, we want you to ship, build and ship the product. And, and by the way, make sure your building is big enough to put the bags of money um, that will eventually come when that happens. N- now, in the 21st century, this sounds laughable because we now know a couple of things. One is startups aren't small versions of large companies that, in hindsight, large companies execute known business models. That is, over time, they got large because they figured out who are their customers, who are their competitors, what's the right pricing, you know, what are more importantly, what are the right features matching customers, which we now give a name to called product market fit. But startups on day one don't know any of that. They think they know that, but actually they're searching for a business model. Large companies execute startup search. I realized at the time that while we had plenty of tools to execute business models, great papers on organizational design, on competitive analysis, et cetera, the literature for what startups should really be doing was almost non-existent. The closest thing I found, which wasn't written for entrepreneurs, was uh, 
Rita McGrath and Ian McMillan's work on uh, lead user research. And also, of course, Clinton Christensen had been writing as well uh, about innovation in large corporations. And, and I realized they were trying to say something without knowing it about startups. Um, but that was my realization that that th- there was no literature and there was no methodology and I was going to have to create one. The heart of Lean Startup, according to Steve, is customer discovery. New ventures need to test their hypotheses with potential customers long before they fully built their product or service. The aim is to expose bad ideas early on in the product development process, giving founders time to pivot before they've spent a ridiculous amount of money building a product that nobody wants. The Lean in Lean Startup is all about efficiency, minimizing the time and money it takes to find success. Because of that, Steve points out, it didn't hurt that he began putting these ideas together just as Silicon Valley founders and investors were picking up the pieces of a shattered dot-com bubble. That crash um, had VCs running for cover under their desks um, if they were still in business. Um, there was a drought of capital. Um, you know, Valuations in public companies were crashing all around you. And so uh, investors and entrepreneurs were desperate to limit the amount of resources they need to build companies. You know, no one wanted to work in a startup, hard to imagine. Um, In times of crisis, people tend to look for new ideas and new things. And Lean was just that opportunity to say, hey, if you use this methodology rather than throwing random darts at the wall, here's a way we believe to kind of optimize, uh, uh, optimize the path. Um, and so the valley, as it recovered, recovered with this methodology, which actually turned out in practice to be a lot more efficient uh, than what we were doing. So that's where Lean Startup came from. But what's interesting about it from a research standpoint? Rita Katila points out that its sheer ubiquity is one reason it's an important method to study. It's really one of the most widely used methods for creativity and innovation today. So whether you have an idea for a startup or or you work in a big established corporation and you want to shake up things there, chances are that you will have or you have already used the lean startup method. So it is simply intriguing for us to study something that is so popular. For those who uh, are new to lean startup, the first step of the method is very simple. You write down the hypotheses. There are simple cause effect relationships of your business idea. So if you were starting a Brazilian restaurant, you may assume that consumers, uh, your customers will relate Brazil with fresh, exotic, healthy fruit. And then your plan is to source the best ingredients maybe back from Brazil and and perhaps sell to health-minded individuals in big cities. The second step is of the method is that then you step out the building and explain these causal relationships to anyone you find, to people outside your team. And turns out that engineers and technologists are particularly bad at business ideas. So their hypotheses are often not supported. But by talking to customers, talking to others in the ecosystem, they may be able to change their hypotheses and at the end find an idea that works. I ran across the Lean Startup concept in 2009 from reading Steve's uh, book, the, the book titled The Four Steps to the Epiphany. And as a former tech-based entrepreneur myself, the ideas in the, in the book made a lot of intuitive sense, right? Uh, however, as I learned from doing my PhD in management science at Stanford, 
I realized how important it is to provide evidence about the effectiveness of new ideas that emerge, right? Because there's so many ideas out there that do not necessarily deliver on the promises. And, and it can be daunting sometimes for educators or consultants to figure out whether the methodology they're prescribing is really something that actually works. To investigate the lean startup method, Mike and Rita turned to i a National Science Foundation program that aims to help scientists and engineers transform their research into marketable technologies. The program is based on a Stanford Management Science and Engineering Department class called Lean Launchpad. Steve Blank worked with our center, the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, to develop Lean Launchpad in 2011. Instead of just reading about entrepreneurial strategies, Lean Launchpad students form teams and practice lean startup methods. They brainstorm product ideas, craft hypotheses, and get out of the building to test those hypotheses with potential customers every week, using that feedback to design a minimum viable product. As the methods of the Lean Launchpad course carried over into the NSF program, i became an ideal setting to study the effects of those lean startup strategies. It's quite exciting to be studying a program that is very standardized implementation of lean startup uh, in a government setting and run continuously since 2011. And one of the beauties of this research setting is that hundreds of teams go through a relatively standardized program and use the platform called uh, Launchpad Central. And, and on this platform, the teams register their each and every decision regarding their business ideas on their corresponding business model canvas. I can think of no other setting in the world where you can get so deep into the weeds of how teams actually use the Lean Startup method. And in our research paper, we, anal- we are able to analyze 152 teams over an eight-week period. And every week, teams make decisions about their business ideas as they interview roughly uh, 10 stakeholders on a weekly basis. And it's almost like you have this Petri dish, like you were in a lab. You can observe these organisms, these teams, how they evolve over time, which is very unique. That that kind of microdata on early stage teams isn't really available. So, so that that was a unique opportunity for us to observe something so early in the lives of entrepreneurial teams. And what we also did in, in addition of these uh, week by week observations. We also interviewed these teams as they were going through uh, these um, these decisions about hypotheses, their interviews, and and asked what were the most important decisions you did this week and why why you made them. And then we also sent a survey to these teams after the training in six, 12, 18 month intervals, trying to figure out how did the training impact uh, the team's success. When Mike and Rita looked at their data, a few conclusions stood out. First, they observed that one of the central components of Lean Startup seems to work as intended. By articulating their hypotheses and testing them with potential customers, teams do quickly reach a consensus about which path to pursue. Now, one of the main promises of the Lean Startup is that it helps teams reach a go or no-go decision. That is, that they gather information to reduce the uncertainty about the ideas and, and make an educated guess about the soundness of pursuing the venture further. And that is exactly one of the things that we find. Teams that go out and talk to relevant stakeholders about their hypothesized business ideas tend to converge on a given idea, which may or not be the idea they originally started with. When you go to those interviews, what we find 
is that you have to have these explicit hypotheses in mind because when you have hypotheses in mind, you are going to be revisiting the original cause and effect relationship when you get those results without an explicit hypothesis in mind, new information you get out of the interview may seem obvious because it is very easy to rationalize a novel phenomenon if you don't have prior assumptions about it. So it it helps to have those hypotheses in mind. Uh, And the hypotheses also make the team more aware of each other's ideas. So members of the team may use also these hypotheses as a communication tool. They become more acutely aware of their colleagues' views. So this also helps uh, early stage teams as they're trying to figure out uh, how to find their business ideas. As Mike and Rita zoomed in on the sorts of individuals who made up these i teams, one trend really stood out. They noticed that MBAs reacted to the lean startup method very differently from scientists and engineers. There's sort of um, this very interesting tension in how we think about training future entrepreneurs. So there are these learning by thinking methods, which MBAs learn. So you analyze, you form a mental map of your environment, and then you reason what to do based on those maps. So that's one method. And then there's this completely different kind of a method, learning by doing experiments, you know, A-B testing, Brigolas types of approaches. But those these two methods never talk to each other. And so Lean Startup is kind of in this sweet spot in the middle of taking, picking the best parts of both of these worlds. So the best thinking skills based on hypotheses and then the best doing skills and, and most prominently the interviews. So it's, a, it's an interesting blend, uh, but it's also very challenging for, for the teams to use because you're typically trained in one of these camps, but, but not in both. The, the, the interesting thing in the conundrum is that people who have those learning by thinking skills tend to resist the method. Right? And what we found was uh, the teams that have an MBA on, the, on them uh, actually use the method less. They were very resistant to use the method. And, and you know, because they're steeped in this learning by thinking paradigm, you know, analysis, five forces, competitive advantage, all the staples of business schools, you learn a framework and then you apply it. So that's sort of ingrained in MBA business school thinking. And uh, the MBAs don't necessarily embrace the method. It, it's, it, it is not in their training. But for those teams that have an MBA that actually use the method, they actually benefit more from its use. So I think that's where, where educators and consultants can come in and try to uh, help reduce the friction that either organizations or, or executive teams or even uh, you know, um, business schools and students might have towards uh, using these kind of methods to, to learn and improve their decision making. Mike and Rita ran into a few surprises as well. For one thing, they observed that customer discovery sometimes resulted not just in pivots, but in completely new ideas. And even the pivots often allowed teams to land on solutions that were remarkably far from where they started. One of the things that the Lean Startup Method doesn't really um, delve into too much is a cognitive path that uh, we find, which is that when you go out to talk 
to different stakeholders, that actually inspires teams or entrepreneurs to think about new business ideas not originally considered. It does not necessarily mean that you do what customers are asking you to do. Instead, you get to learn more about the needs and habits of potential customers, and you become inspired to think about new ideas not originally considered. Now, now this is different than, than just pivoting because somebody told you, no, this is the wrong idea, you need to go this way. This is about becoming inspired and thinking you know, more, more deeply about the opportunity landscape. So research, uh, and my own research included, frequently warns that you should stay far away from listening to your customers when you try to develop something very new. You know, when you want to develop something new, don't ask your customers. The other Steve, Steve Jobs famously said this. So customers don't know what they want. And here we have a method whose central component is to talk to customers. So as researchers, this is very intriguing. Who should we believe? How do we reconcile these two views? And what we were surprised to find in our data is that listening to customers actually helped creativity and helped finding new ideas for these teams. One surprise for me was how far from the original idea the teams ended up being at the end. So I remember one of the teams had a scientist who was very annoyed by her husband's snoring problem at home. And so the scientist decided to develop a technology, you know, a scientist engineering approach, and decided that the market would be the consumers, the women who are suffering because husbands are snoring. Turns out through the lean process, the the end customer, the, the right group was actually hospitals because they, you, you know you have patients, multiple, many patients in the same room. And it's very important to have a recovery where you get good sleep during the night. So that ended up being a very different market from what the scientists originally thought the market would be. If I could segue into something else that's probably worth at least putting on the record and maybe explain some of the other conflicting things I read in, um, not I read it in Mike's paper, but some other academic li literature, which says, well, lean is great for um, understanding uh, customer needs in existing markets, but, you know, it doesn't answer the question of, you know, Henry Ford saying, if I would have asked people what they want, it would have been a horse with six legs or Steve Jobs, uh, you know, unfortunate comment that says, you know, you don't ask customers what they want about the future. And it's just simply incorrect. And it turns out, of course, you need to do customer development. It's just that the questions you ask are radically different. You know, you can't ask somebody, would you like this 20% faster when they don't even know what this is? But the questions you're asking is, are trying to understand what's the day in the life of a customer today and how's the world going to change when your product or service is available? It's almost impossible to compute that inside the building. What ancillary services need to exist? What type of cultural or business changes need to happen? Uh, again, customer development is exactly the process you use. Just the questions become very different. Of course, lean startup isn't the universal law of startups, and there's plenty more that needs to be studied. Does it work better in some industries than others, for example? 
Does it work better in established markets or new markets? This research shows that it does seem to help teams converge in ideas, create products, form companies, and even generate employment. But how much does it drive better performance in the long term? How does it work in established corporations? What factors might make some teams respond more effectively to customer feedback than others? These are some of the questions that researchers will be asking in the future. But with all that said, the basic concept of Lean Startup has already proven to be impressively resilient, on a scale that even Steve Blank himself didn't expect. You know, I remind all my students that this isn't the method, it's a method. And, and you know, it was just made up by, you know, a bunch of people and, and whatever. But I've been surprised about how well it seems to fit the nature of innovation and entrepreneurship. Or remember, I didn't invent the idea of getting out of the building. The best entrepreneurs who succeeded were already doing this. What I did was simply take my observations about what worked and didn't and put a framework about it that was repeatable. Because if you remember, we used to have people come in and tell, quote, war stories about how I was a successful CEO and here was my great adventure and my startup. But while those were entertaining, they weren't repeatable. But what I was looking for is something that that a practitioner could say, oh, I, I get the story, but here's what I'm supposed to do. It's been fantastic to have Steve as a mentor for this project. I remember when I was first presenting this paper at a conference and, and I happened to run to Steve that day and uh, uh, we chit-chatted. I said, you know, I'm presenting this paper. And Steve turned to me and said, yeah, I've read your paper. I was completely blown away. You know, not even my colleagues take the time to read my papers, not even my mom. So here we have Steve Blank who has read our paper. So we've just been so lucky to have Steve. Thanks for listening to our first ever research ETL. In true customer discovery fashion, we'd love your feedback. Especially if you're not an academic, what would make a research-driven conversation like this even more useful in your world? Feel free to send us a note at stanford-ecorner at stanford.edu and include the phrase research podcast in your subject line. We'll be recording additional ETL research podcasts this year, featuring more cutting-edge entrepreneurship research from the Stanford Technology Ventures program. So please stay tuned, and in the meantime, venture boldly. The Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series is a Stanford eCorner original production. The stories and lessons on Stanford eCorner are designed to help you find the courage and clarity to see and seize opportunities. Stanford eCorner is led by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program and Stanford's Department of Management Science and Engineering. To learn more, please visit us at ecorner.stanford.edu.